you are. Your sins can be forgiven. You can be washed white as snow. The Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that when, when we come to him and we confess our sins and ask him to forgive us, that he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. It's, the Bible says that he remembers our sin no more. And, and I used to struggle with that. I'm like, wait a second. I used to think that it said that he forgets our sin. I'm like, how can God forget? No, it, it, and, and I was so thankful when I reread it. It says I, he remembers your sin no more. There's a difference between forgetting something and choosing not to remember it. He chooses not to remember anything you've done. He just, he, it's a choice, and he, he has made that choice for me and for you because of the blood of Jesus. This morning, if, if you are away from God, whether you've accepted him or you've never accepted his, his love and, and Jesus' sacrifice, I want to encourage you to receive the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. And it's so simple. You can do it in a, in a, in a simple way just by saying, God, forgive me of my sin. I'm away from you. I need the blood of Jesus to restore a relationship between you and me. I received the sacrifice that Jesus made for me. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. Holy Spirit, live inside of me. In Jesus' name. Amen. And that's the beginning of the greatest decision anyone can ever make. Amen? Amen. This morning... We are going to start a, a number of week study on a subject about spiritual warfare and the full armor of God. So if your seat has a seat belt, buckle up, buttercup. Because we're going we're gonna to get into um, a time, and uh, I'm excited about it, but I'm also in, in I've got the trepidation over this, this topic. I have, uh, I'm, uh, I have conviction in this topic. This morning as I am preaching, I'm going to tell you, I am preaching to myself about this topic of understanding spiritual warfare. Uh, I, I, it's easy to get um, complacent in the things of God, and I believe that I've allowed my life to become a little complacent in the area of spiritual warfare and what we're going to be studying over the next few weeks. I, and then I'm, I just, it's such a God thing uh, the way it's working out. We're going to be talking about this. Uh, it goes right into prayer. And then we're going to be hearing from the missionaries, uh, you know, from Abel and Josue, uh, people who live their life in foreign nations. Well, for them, it's not foreign nations. It's their nation. Um, who probably understand this way more than we do because of what they experience on a, on a daily basis. I'm going to ask Doug to go ahead and read for us this morning out of Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through about 18. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. And pray that you would speak to us and challenge us. Thank you for the truth that is found in Ephesians chapter 6. God, I pray you would encourage all of us and light a fire. Help us to have greater understanding in your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. As we are traveling through the book of Ephesians, we get to chapter 6, verse 10, and here's what what Paul is saying to us. Listen, everything I've told you, I'm going to add one more thing. It's going to bring a lot of it together, and we need to have this part to understand. So we've gone through, and in the book of, of, of Ephesians, we have learned about who we are in Christ, such an important a lesson that we learned. Remember, we've spent a lot of time talking about who we are. We are in Christ. We're new creations that were seated with Him in the heavenly places. Throughout the book, of chapter 1, chapter 2, it references in Christ a lot. As a believer, you're no longer out of Christ. You are in Christ. You're something different than you were before you were saved. Um, Watchman Nee wrote a great book. It was called Sit, Walk, Stand. It's really strange because you would think that you would stand before you walk, but in the book of Ephesians, we talk about that we're seated in Christ. That's our position. Our life first has to be recognized that we are seated in Christ. It's a new position. We're not outside trying to get in. We're not working on our own strength, but something has happened because of what we just celebrated, because of Christ's sacrifice. For us, we're different. We're new creations. We are in Christ. Then Ephesians goes on and he talks about, and we, we told, we've talked about the word, how to walk your life. The word in the Greek, does, it, does anyone remember what I, because I've said it so many times, the Greek word for walk, anyone? Okay, I was wondering. Parapateo, remember? Parapateo, like a pair of potatoes. Okay, remember you got potatoes on your feet and you got a pair of potatoes? That's going to help you remember. That's our walking. Parapateo, but it means not just to go somewhere. It means your daily life. Everywhere you go, when you, when you read the word walk in Ephesians, it's how you live. We're, we walk in Christ. We walk for Him in our daily life. So, so first we had to understand that we are seated in Christ and then because we're in Him that we walk and do everything we do from that point of being in Him with the strength that He gives us. We learned uh, in chapter 2, chapter 3 about the power of God and that it lives inside of us. That the, and, and we used all the different words for power. We're going to read them all again in Ephesians chapter 6 because there's a lot of power of God but he's going to now be, we're going to be bringing up something that has been talked about throughout the Old Testament throughout the Gospels, and that's the power of the devil. One of the greatest lies that, that is being perpetrated in, in this country more and more is that there is no devil, that he doesn't exist. And, and isn't that a great lie? If you wanted to go rob somebody's house, don't you want them to think that there is no robber? Right? I mean, yeah, that's what you want. You want people to feel really safe, as we have in Big Bear, for all of these years, and keep leaving your doors unlocked, and keep leaving your cars unlocked, because nobody's going to come through and pilfer through your, your, your ashtray and steal all your change, not in Big Bear, right? It's never happened to any of us. Right? It's happened. It's happening more. I mean, you know, if you're visiting from off the hill today, you're like, what do you mean not locking your car, not locking your doors? Are you guys crazy? No, we live in Big Bear. But, but we, are be we, have, we fell asleep, and then the enemy began to move in to Big Bear, and he started coming in. And we've heard there's houses being robbed and cars being stolen, things being stolen right out of cars. And again, if you're visiting, you're like, right, uh-huh. Well, that didn't happen in Big Bear before. Um, you know, my ashtray, they didn't just take my money out of my ashtray. One night they took my entire ashtray. 
And that was a bummer, not because I smoke, but, but that's where I put my change. And so, but I don't have any change anymore, so I guess I don't need an ashtray because they stole both. But, and so the enemy, uh, that in a sense, came in and, and lulled us to sleep. And then what happened? It's been really easy to walk down the street in Big Bear and pull on car doors because the majority of them have been opened. Now, again, if you're visiting from down the hill and you walk down your street, are the majority of doors open? No. They learn that there's an enemy out there, and they lock their front doors, and they lock their car doors. The greatest trick of the enemy is to have you think that he doesn't exist. The devil is alive and well, and he lives everywhere. He lives in Big Bear. Now, please nobody say, he lives in the bed, in the bed next to me. You know, <laughs> the devil is alive and well. And, and no, he's not your husband. No, it's not your wife. No, it's not your children, and your children are not the spawn of Satan. There is a real devil, and we have a lot of jokes and things that we say and that can be funny. I even remember uh, making, you know, making kind of lie to the devil, but back in the, in the early days, Happy Days, there was a show called Happy Days. Remember the devil was even in that show. Remember little Nor Norman or something? He used to do this Beelzebub thing. And, I mean, you know, culture understands the idea of a devil. Well, this morning we want to talk about the devil, not to give him praise and glory, but to help us understand that we live in a world that's not just flesh and blood, but we live in a spiritual world. We believe in God. Well, God uh, is, is not a created being. He's the all-powerful God, but there is a devil who is a created being. So we want to spend a little time talking about him, understanding our enemy just a little bit. And Ephesians chapter 6 talks about our enemy, and it talks about um, his power. In verse 12, as Doug read, it says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We are in a battle. And often we get tricked into believing that our battle is just against flesh and blood. Okay, we're in a battle that, that is, is on the table on Tuesday. Okay, remember what Tuesday is? Tuesday's our opportunity to cast a vote. Now, um, so, some of you are like, oh, you can't talk about politics. I, I could talk about politics all I want. There's a lot I can do as a pastor. And, but, but here's what the simple thing is, as a believer, it's our duty, responsibility, privilege to go and cast a vote for righteousness. Yes. For righteousness. You know, forget Republican, Democrat, Independent, forget it all, throw it all out, and say, how would Jesus want me to vote? You have to vote your righteousness, the belief system that we, we understand in the Bible. And I can absolutely, without a doubt, tell you that's what we need to do. Well, here's the thing. If you're like me, and I hope you're not, God help you, you get wrapped up into some political conversations, especially they're really hot on social media. Uh, by the way, if you've been looking for me on social media, I, I'm, I'm quitting. I, I'm very rarely on there um, because I was finding myself getting worked up over, over issues, and a lot of them were political issues. And honestly, I just, I, I'm, I'm saddened and angry at, at stupidity. And, and there's just, in my opinion, there's so much out there, and I, and I was getting worked up. But one of the things that was happening is I was looking at issues and people 
and flesh and blood issues rather than understanding that everything that's happening has got a basis of spirituality. And that might be hard for some of you to take in this morning. Um, and so, we're, we're, you know, so I, I don't apologize for preaching the word, but I apologize if this is your first time visiting. You're like, wow. But, but the truth is we live in a spiritual world as well as a flesh and blood world. And I believe that the enemy of our soul is behind everything that's evil. Everything that's evil, murder, all, all sickness, hatred, anger, drugs, all of these things that cause uh, breakups of family and pain and agony in any form, confusion, deception, all of these things are rooted and come from the devil. They don't come from your neighbor who you're angry at because he's selling drugs. They don't come from the person on the other side of your social media feed who's got these crazy opinions that are different from you. They come from the devil. And the devil is wooing us into this apathetic state, and we are not fighting the right way. So this, this messages over the next few weeks are going to help us to put on the full armor, understand what we can do because we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Now, now I want to go to the Word, at least refer to the Word. There's too many scriptures to go, but the Bible talks a lot about the devil. A lot. He actually appears in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis. Shortly after man's there in the garden, what do we see? We see the devil, the serpent, come in and he deceives Adam and tricks Adam and Eve into committing the first sin and ruining it for all of us. Ladies, you want to be mad at someone for childbirth problems? It's not Eve. It's the devil. Right? Eve succumbed to that. You know, man, you know, it says that by the sweat of our brow, we would have to work and toil in the ground. And I believe that work became more difficult. Work is a blessing. Here's a side note. Work is a blessing from God. But that toil and that, uh, that time when work is, is horrible, that I believe is, is part of the curse. Because men, when they are working and, and finding fulfillment in it, you, wouldn't you agree? It's, it doesn't feel like work. There's something, even when it's hard, there's a joy in it. But so often we find ourselves toiling, and that's part of the curse. So the enemy shows up in Genesis. He shows up in the book of Job where we learn a lot about the enemy. Did you know that the devil actually, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, he can be in the presence of God. God's not afraid of the devil. God's not afraid of sin. The, the, in the book of Job, it says that the devil went, appeared before God when the angels went before him, and he went up and he accused Job of being, well, you know, you think, you know, your Job is so righteous. What, have you considered Job your servant? And he said, you know, the Lord said he's righteous, and, and says, yeah, that's because you protect him. Let me at him. Let me at him, and, and you'll see that he'll turn away from you. And so God gave Satan permission to go and attack Job. Now, we learn something about that because the next thing we know is that the devil has ability and power to bring sickness, death, destruction of, of his property, of his animals, his children, and even of his physical body. That is the power of Satan. Satan actually is a powerful being. God is not afraid of him. 
God is not less powerful than Satan. I've said this and I'm going to say it again in case you, you, you're new or you forgot. I'm going to give you a couple of opposites and see how we do with this. What's the opposite of hot? What's the opposite of stop? What's the opposite of tall? What's the opposite of God? See, but right, that's right. It's not. You know why? An opposite means an equal and opposite. God has no opposite because there is nothing that is equal opposite to him. He's the all-powerful only God of the universe. If there is an opposite of the devil, I would probably say Michael or Gabriel. Angels. God created angels. Satan, we believe the Bible teaches us that Satan is a fallen angel. Um, probably Lucifer, um, which is a Latin word, but means uh, like son of the morning. Uh, he comes as a light. And the Second Corinthians talks about that he masquerades as an angel of light. Lucifer is an angel who fell from, from grace, from God's position. So God has no opposite. Okay? We need to keep that, rem remember that. So we, you know, he was in us is greater than he that's in the world. God is in us. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. God is, is omnipotent, and there's no comparison between him and the devil. The devil has come, the Bible says, he, he's come to kill, to steal, and destroy. He's got a job. He hates you. He hates me. Why? I believe it's, it's pretty simple. In Genesis, God created man, and he loved man, and he breathed into him. He didn't breathe into animals the breath of life. He breathed into mankind the breath of life. His spirit is inside of mankind, and he created man in God's image. Satan hates God and everything in the image of God. You are just a byproduct of Satan's hatred of God. And he hates you. And he wants to see you destroyed. And he wants to discourage you and, and make you depressed and lead you away from anything that has to do with success and hope and purpose in Christ. The, the Bible says that the, throughout the Bible talks about the devil, and, and another name he's used is Satan. He's also given the name adversary, accuser, murderer, liar, thief, serpent, dragon, and he's compared to a lion. Now some of those are powerful creatures. Dragons and lions, they're powerful. We need to understand that the devil does have power that we don't want to mess with him outside of Christ. We don't want to take on the devil in our own strength because I tell you, in your own strength, you lose. And, and, and contrary to what Happy Days taught us, love does not kill the enemy. He doesn't go away because we just love one another. It's, it's the power of God. And so what we learn in Ephesians chapter 6 is that we need to be Brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We need to, and, and the word be strong also means, it really has more of a connotation of be strengthened, get stronger, grow in the strength of God, in the power of His might, not in our own power. And we're going to go on over the next few weeks and talk about um, some of the things that we can do to walk and stand against the enemy. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And, and just real quick, what the word stand here is to stand against, and it even kind of means like a fighting stance. We're getting ready. 
we're getting ready because the enemy wants to come in to your life and to your situations and attack you and fight you and discourage you and it's a spiritual battle i want to read some some great quotes that i found about war because we are in a spiritual war we are not in a physical battle um And this is what we're going to be going over the next few weeks. George Washington said this, To be prepared for war is one of the most effective means of preserving peace. I like that. Right? To be prepared for war is one of the most effective ways to, be pre to preserve peace. Do you want peace in your life? Do you want the peace of God in your life? Then be prepared for war. And we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. How you can be prepared in the battle against Satan. Um, Sun Tzu said this, The art of war teaches us to rely not on the likelihood of the enemy's not coming, but on our own readiness to receive him. Not on the chance of his not attacking, but rather on the fact that we have made our position unassailable. Church, what I want to do is help us to, to be ready and to be strengthened in the Lord so that when the fiery darts of the enemy come, when the attacks of the enemy come, we are found in Christ, not just positionally, but living in Him, full of the Word of God and ready for the wiles of the devil. The word wiles that comes out of here uh, comes from a word that, that's like, like a methodology that He's coming. That, that, and He's got a method. He's planning it. He's crafty. And He is sneaking in. And I tell you, it's, it's, if you look at our culture and our nation, He is playing, anyone play chess? He's playing the long game. Okay, you know, I, you know, what, you want, if you play chess, um, I'm not great at playing a long game. I'm learning how to play a long game. Um, you know, I like the four move checkmate, right? That's the short move. I like to. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go a couple moves out, and I'm just gonna try to keep killing you. Oh, I keep missing. I keep missing. Satan's the guy. He's playing a long game, and they're they're horrible to play with because you don't even know what they're doing. They're they're playing ten moves out, and they've got a strategy to wipe you out. The enemy is playing the long game. And, and culturally, he has wooed us into apathy and to not recognize the thing that he's doing. He's coming, so we need to be ready. Norman Schwarzkopf, Storm and Norman said this, The more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed in war. I like that. i leave it to Storm and Norman. The, less you, the more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed. In other words, you know, we, we need to be prepared... Now, we need to be people, and as we're going to go on, we need to be people who are built up in faith, people of prayer, people who are walking in righteousness. These are some of the parts of the, of the armor we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Um, William Sherman, um, and, and, and this, is, this is kind of a different quote, but I, I liked it because this is, this is it for us. William Sherman, Civil War. He, war is the remedy that our enemies have chosen. And we'll just put in our case that our enemy has chosen. And I say... Let us give him all he wants. That's what he said. War is the remedy that our enemy has chosen, that our enemies have chosen, and I say let us give them all they want. In other words, if the enemy wants to attack me, let's give him all he wants. We're going to come against him with everything that God has given us to come against him. 
We're not going to sit back. We're going to be prepared in times of peace. We're going we're to build ourselves up, as the book of Jude says, in our holy faith. We're going to pray in the Holy Spirit. We're going to l- understand the spiritual warfare that we're living in, understand that we have an enemy that's a spiritual enemy that is real, and that, that, that he's coming out, and he's coming to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He doesn't want to play patty cake. It's real. We sang the song, um, Oh, the Blood of Jesus. I want to tell, I want to tell a story. Um, I believe the enemy, most of the time, he's, he's underlying in this country. He doesn't reveal himself as the devil. But I tell you, if you've ever traveled to a third world country, you find people who totally believe in, in witchcraft, voodoo, the devil, because in other countries, the devil doesn't hide. He, he lives out in the open because it, it makes people afraid of, of the literal devil. Okay. We were in, I was in Ukraine in 1998. And uh, we were in these services. We were um, launching a Bible school there. And it was, it was, a, it was a really neat, neat experience. We're in this big service. And um, I was the youngest one on the team. There was a, a, a pastor who had been a pastor for a long time. Matt, Mark Johnson was there. There was a guy who moved in the gift of, of words of knowledge, wisdom, and prophecy. They're not very fun to be around because they just, they're, they're weird and they hear from God at crazy times, um, powerful things from God. And this, this man, I attested to the, the, the moving, the true moving in the spirit of, of some of the things he did. So we're sitting in this service and all of a sudden this man gets up and we're invited guests at the church and at the Bible school and he says, there's a witch in this room. And there's a couple hundred people. There's a witch in this room. And he got a translator helping him. And he says, and you need to come and repent right now. Come, come, throw yourself at the altar. Repent, receive Christ. There's somebody who's a witch in this room. And he just kept going. And he says, and if you don't come forward, I'm going to call you out because I know who you are. Now, I am, I am, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm about 12 years old. I'm actually 28 years old youngest in this group. I've been around some, some crazy things, but this is like definitely like, wow, I'm, I'm feeling just kind of bad for the pastor. I mean, he's basically telling, you know, it's like somebody coming in saying, pastor, there's a witch in your church. I'm like, hey, man, this, I love my church. I love my people. And so I'm f- feeling all these things. And all of a sudden, it took a few minutes and he walks up and about four or five rows back. And, and Bonnie knows me and loves me, so she won't be mad that I picked her. And he goes, repent. And he points to this woman. Her name was Valerie, uh, uh, Valerina, I think is what it was. It was a, a company. And come down in repentance. Her eyes got big and she had no idea what was talking about. And that's you. And, and I'm, I'm just, I'm like, have you ever done this where you're sliding down in your seat? You're kind of sinking. You just don't want to be involved in this. I didn't. I thought this was crazy. I didn't know if it was true. And I just, oh. And, and all of a sudden, um, Pastor Gregory talks with some of the other leaders with um, Pastor Jeff Orluck and, and Mark Johnson. And they said, you know, Jefferson, you take the translator and, and Valerina and, and go and deal with this in another room. And I'm like, thank God. We can just get on to the happiness of a, of a service here. We can do some more praise and worship, right? Because I don't want to think about those things. I just want to, you know, we bring the sacrifice of praise. I just want to do that. And, and so sure enough, Pastor Jeff Orlock looks over me and says, Rob, go with them and make sure everything's okay. Because 
Pastor Jeff Orlock is feeling, I think, the same way as me. He's like, this is crazy. What's happening in this place? And so he sent me to go make sure that Jefferson wasn't crazy. And so we go into this other room, and I am just freaking out. I, honestly, this is not, I am not comfortable here. And Jefferson and his translator, praise the Lord, or, or you know, praise the Lord, she was as spiritually attuned as Jefferson, and she was a firecracker. When I was preaching, she would preach other messages because she had so much zeal. I'd say something, and she'd go on for like two minutes. And I'm like... <laughs> I know I didn't say that. And so they're over there, and they're talking to this, and they're casting, they're trying to cast out a demon, and they're bringing this way. And I'm like 40 feet more, because I'm much further away than Greg is. So I'm probably 50 feet away, and I'm doing circles in the back, praying, going, God, what am I doing? I'm in Ukraine. There's a witch, or there's not a witch, and we'll never be invited back. And, and, and so I just, I'm praying, and it's all crazy up front, and I started going, okay, I'm just going to worship. And I know microphone is a very quiet room, and, and they're up there, and I just, over my breath, I began to say, of Jesus. Now, now you got to remember, I'm in Ukraine. Valerie does not speak English. She's very far away from me. And as he began to sing, she began to grunt and writhe around in her seat, fell on the floor, rolled around and flopped like a fish. Then suddenly got up and sat in the chair, totally straight and normal again, looked at Jefferson through the transit and said, why are you bothering me? I haven't done anything. And I kept singing. That first time freaked me out like you wouldn't believe. And I began to sing and worship and going, God, this is crazy. And I just began to bring the blood of Jesus, ask the blood of Jesus to be present. Because everything, the power of God is, happens in the blood of Jesus. And she did this two or three times where she would fall out of her seat and rise. And she was a heavy, older woman. And she would just roll around on the thing. And then when she would sit back in her chair, it was like she didn't even know that she did it. Now, I can't explain any more than that. But I believe that I saw the enemy who had infiltrated somebody's life, who when the presence of God was getting around, the demon actually began to manifest. Now you go, that's really crazy. We read it in the Bible. Remember, son, seven sons of Sceva tried to cast out a demon, and, and the demon, one guy, demonically possessed, beat up seven guys, and all seven ran out of the house bleeding and naked. There was, there was legion in the tombs of the Gadarenes who, when they came, ran up to Jesus. Remember, he had been shackled, and they said they could never shackle him. He was too strong. He had break the shackles, runs up to Jesus and says, what are you here? Why are you bothering us? It's not our time yet. And Jesus casts the demons out. The demons go into a herd of pigs and, and, and run off a cliff. Next we find this demoniac who nobody could, could teach that was wild and running around naked, sitting calm and sane at the feet of Jesus, receiving teaching. We see the devil in the Bible, but we have a hard time with him today. He's still alive, and he's still doing things. In this country, he tends to subvert and go underground and cause problems. In, and I believe he's, he's, he's moving politicians and lawmakers and, and drug addicts into doing these things that are causing the, the death. He is, he is doing a whole new move in this country. And he's, he's made most of us believe that he doesn't exist, including in the church. The Bible says that we are in a spiritual war. 
and then we need to put on the armor of God and stand against the cunningness, craftiness, methodology of the devil who's the adversary. That's one of the words, main names, meanings of his names is the adversary. Knowing that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Verse 16, it talks about quenching the darts of the wicked one. I, I, I did a, a search in the Bible to, uh, just to find out how many times names, names appeared, and if I could find that real quick. But demons actually are talked about some 66 times. Devil appears, I believe it was 44, and Satan was, it appears like 54 times in the Bible. Yes, the Bible talks a lot about Satan and demons and the devil. So today is really all about helping us to go, wow, wait a second, this is real. Now, you're in Christ. You're in Christ. In Christ, we can have the power of God. We're not going to walk away in fear at all. But we're going to begin to, to begin to look and say, wait a second, we're in a, in a war that's, that's different than what I thought. I believe the, the enemy comes in, in in strife between husbands and wives all the time. People ask me uh, questions. I'm not a, an authority on the devil. In fact, you really can't be too much of an authority. There's not a whole lot said. Um, we see his power in the earth. You can see things that he does. Um, somebody says, well, can the devil read minds? I don't think the devil can read my mind, but I think the devil can plant a thought. I think one of the things the enemy wants to do is he comes up to you and he whispers in your ear. He whispers in mine. You ever have those thoughts You're like, where did that come from? Yeah, I, I think the, 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 a demon, and actually I don't think I've ever come in contact with the devil. There's only one devil. He's not omnipresent. But he does have a lot of minions, a lot of, a lot of demons that are following him. They all rebelled. As the Bible says, it's all biblical. The Bible says that when Satan fell from earth, that he took a third of the angels with him. Well, we know that the, the number of the angels is kind of innumerable. There's a lot of them. So a, a third of an innumerable, innumerable number fell to earth. I think there's a lot of demonic activity on this earth. And I think there's a lot of demons who want to whisper things to you and stir up strife. You ever feel anger rising more than it should when you're, when you're having a, a, maybe a little spat with your spouse? I think the devil is right there whispering to both of you, both of us, and trying to get us to be more angry and to say these horrid things. Now, we, we battle not just against the enemy, but we also battle against the flesh, the Bible says. The flesh, that's our carnal nature. In fact, the Bible says that, that we sometimes sin, not even the devil has nothing to do with it, it's just our flesh, that we just want to do it. So we, we battle against the flesh, we battle against the world, the, the, print, the, the, the types of the things that are in the world, the governments, but we, and we also battle against the devil. So it's all three. By his death and resurrection, Christ overcame the world, John 16, 33. He overcomes the flesh, Romans chapter 6, and he overcomes the devil, Ephesians chapter 1. So Christ has overcome all of these things that we're battling all the time. And we need to stand against him. But this morning, believers, we need to, to know that this battle is, is real, and it's against a real force who, who doesn't like you. And so the very be beginning as we go into, in, into 10, it says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the armor. So we're going to just 
So what does that mean? Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We need to recognize that we don't have strength in ourselves to fight the enemy. You need to be in Christ. Okay? Not just positionally, because as, as when we come to Christ, we're in him. But we need to be found on a daily basis in fellowship with Christ. So, so as we go out from here this week, in order to stand firm, we want to begin to be, grow in strength in the Lord and the power of his might. How's your prayer life? How's your, how's your word time? I believe that, that God gives us this amazing opportunity and blessing to be able to converse with Almighty God. This Bible says that there is one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, we have direct access to the Father. I mean, if you have, have you ever used direct access to somebody with power at all? I, I'll give some examples. The owner of a motel, and you want to get away for the weekend. You call him up, hey, anything you could do for me? I'm, I'm coming your way. Can I get a discount? I've done it. The owner of a, of, a, of, a, of a big company. I mean, when you have it, isn't it nice to like, you know, hey, I know that, but I'm going to see if I can get a deal. I'm going to see if, what he can do for me. You know, if you happen to know a big wig in Sprint and you're really upset about all the problems with yourselves, eventually you might call your friend and say, hey, can you do something for me? My phone doesn't work. They're not helping me, right? You call them. You have direct access to God. How come we don't use that? God, I can't do this on my own. I need to talk to you about what's happening in my life. I need help. You know, I feel like I am under attack. And so many people say, I feel like I'm under attack. You are. In fact, I believe, I believe that, that um, often when you're, I mean, the de devil always hates you, but when you're ready for spiritual breakthrough and you're on a path of getting the Lord's victory in your life, that you best better expect an attack from the devil. Because he wants to thwart it. He wants to, to cause that not to come to fruition. God, I need some help. Having a, I'm, I'm under attack and my, my family is arguing. Things are happening. Whatever it is, I need you, Lord. And, and often he's going to direct you back to the word. And you're going to read the word. And you're going to find out who you are in Christ and your authority in him. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. The authority that we have in Christ. How to put on the armor. The armor is not something, and most of us heard, it's not something you make motions to do. If that helps you to understand that these things. But the armor all represents different parts of our Christian walk. Um, that, that we need to be people of righteousness and truth and, and, and understand that our minds need to be washed and have, uh, have salvation. Um, the, the salvation needs to protect us. And so we're going to talk about those things as, as these weeks go on. We want to give tools so that we can begin to fight back. The Bible says, and, and forgive me, I, I honestly don't know where this, this scripture is. It's just eluding me right now. That says that the gates of hell will not prevail. Have you ever heard that scripture, the gates of hell? Does anyone got it off their mind where it's at? Okay. Where's that? Do you know where it's at? Okay. The gates of hell will... This was a revelation, and then since then I've heard of a lot of other people teach this too. The gates of hell will not prevail. You know how most Christians live? They live like there's gates chasing them. And we're running away from the gates. The gates won't prevail against me! 
I have never seen gates chase anyone. Gates are there to keep people out. So when it says the gates of hell won't prevail, that means it's our job to come in and kick down the gates of hell and pull people out of the power of Satan. We are not supposed to be running away from the devil scared. We're supposed to be standing firm in a battle-ready place and understanding that the sword that we're going to talk about of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is an offensive weapon that attacks the enemy and breaks his power over ours and other people's lives. We don't run from the enemy. Yes. Thank you. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus talked a lot about the devil, by the way. Jesus was tempted by the devil. Be strong in the Lord. You know, I want to encourage you this week to look at this. Is, this, this, this walk is all about self-examination. When I preach, it's always to encourage you to look at yourself. Never an accusatory. I don't preach to individual people. I just try to preach the Word of God in hopes that I and you will look at ourselves and say, am I living for Christ? Am I living the way He wants me to? And so part of the question this week is, are you strong in the Lord? I don't need to answer. You need to answer that for yourself. And remember that the word be strong Lord also means are you being strengthened are you getting stronger see no matter how strong you are no matter where you are in your in your Christian walk this morning you can be getting stronger fortifying yourself how's it going if it's not going well then we can somebody can help you and, and a lot of that is is time in the word time in prayer and and a big part is who you're hanging out with because people tend to pull us down and, and pull us away from God and not help us. We need to spend time in the presence of God with other godly people to get stronger. You hang out with a whole bunch of muscle heads who like to work out all the time, chances are you're going to end up at the gym with them. You're going to start feeling bad about your scrawny little body and you're going to like, I better start working out if I'm going to hang out with them. And that's okay. Hang out with the people that you want to be like. Don't do what so often the, the human condition makes us want to do. Have you ever looked at groups of people, even maybe your friends or other people, it always seems that we like to surround ourselves with people just a little bit worse than we are so that we can feel really good about us. Because it doesn't make you feel good to be around people who are better than you because it makes you feel bad. You know what? Forget your feelings. Start hanging out with people that are in a better place than you and make, make your uncomfortableness cause you to grow and to get stronger and to press in. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Knowing that it's all His might, it's not our own. I want to read a quote. There was two quotes. One of them I'm not even going to read to you because I almost went home this morning after reading it because I was so convicted over it. So I'm going to read the lesser of, of, of two. And this one's really tough. I'm under conviction. The saddest symptom about many so-called Christians is the utter absence of anything like conflict and fight against spiritual apathy in their Christianity. There's more. I'm going to read that part again. The saddest symptom about many so-called Christians is the utter absence 
of anything like conflict and fight against spiritual apathy in their Christianity. Am I fighting against apathy? They eat, they drink, they dress, they work, they amuse themselves, they get money, they spend money, they go through a brief round of formal religious services once or twice a week, but of the great spiritual warfare, its watchings and strugglings, its agonies and anxieties, its battles and contests, of all these things they appear to know nothing at all. Let us take care that this case is not our own. J.C. Ryle. Now one thing that would encourage me is that's why I'm preaching this. Because we need to understand that we are in a battle and that, that apathy is a big trick of the enemy and he wants, and I tell you, this community is rank with apathy. You know, the, the years ago, I don't know if you still see the signs, but um, they, there was names, there was a, a logo, a motto, I should say, of Big Bear and it was the Four Season Escape. You long-termers remember that? Escape to Big Bear. Here's the problem is that's kind of a spiritual thing over this valley. People come up here to escape everything. And they become apathetic to most things. Apathetic to, to godliness and to, to making a difference in the world. But we are going to grow and understand that there's a battle and that we are going to break off some of this apathetic stuff. And if there's things in your marriage, in your life, in your home, um, in your work, but we're going to help you have the tools and to know how to rest and be in Christ more and more so that you can stand against, and I can stand against the wiles of the enemy. Amen. Let's stand. God, as we begin this next portion, this series on spiritual warfare in the armor of God, Father, I need to repent of my apathy. God, I need to repent and ask forgiveness for allowing my life to, to get in the humdrum in the day-to-day of, of church life and family life, forgetting that, that I'm in a battle. Forgetting to truly recognize the enemy. For at times, not having the armor of God ready and definitely at times not using it. God, I pray that if that's the case for anyone in here, that they too would feel this, this conviction and draw to, to just repent and, and to commit ourselves afresh to understanding the Christian walk, to understanding that there is a spiritual war and a battle that we're in. And that battle for some is, is for their soul. God, there's people that we know that are in a battle. And the enemy wants to literally take them to hell. God, I pray that you would encourage us, challenge us, draw us closer to you, that we would stand in you, stand our ground, and be strengthened and grow in strength in you and in the power of your might. God, even this week, cause us to, to look at the, the things in our life that you're, you're convicting and you're saying, I want to pull you out of these things and I want you to walk this way. And that we begin to move towards you on this great journey of, that we're on. Strengthen us. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.